I want to take a minute to tell you about Federal Access. Federal Access is our coaching and training platform that we develop for government contractors. The resources in Federal Access have helped our clients win over $13.6 billion in government contracts. When you become a member, you're going to get access to hundreds of documents, templates, training videos, on-demand webinars, and you get SME support from me. So if you have a question, you can email me directly anytime. Here's a special offer for Game Changers listeners. Visit federal-access.com forward slash Game Changers today and get started for just $29. That's federal-access.com forward slash Game Changers to get started for just $29. Now let's get into this episode. The big question is this, if government contracting is supposed to be so easy, why do so many companies fail to win even a single contract while others dominate the market? That's the question and this podcast will give you the answers. In today's episode, you go one-on-one with best-selling author and master business coach Michael Lejeune to learn exactly how to take your government contracting business to the next level. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Game Changers for Government Contractors. Today we are going to be taking a look at the top five most common proposal mistakes. Now, one of the things that I've found is that new government contractors really have a challenge wrapping their head around the proposal process. However, this applies across the board. All of these challenges are things that I have seen from every level of government contractor, whether you're brand new to the business, whether you've been in for 10 years, or 50 years, whether you've got a team of 10 or a team of 5,000, these are the mistakes that I see that happen over and over again. Sometimes it's just one or two of the mistakes and sometimes it's all five of these. And so, yes, there are more than five, but these are the top five that I want to talk about today to try and help you overcome these so that you can win your next proposal. Number one is being too salesy. I see this a lot and quite honestly, I think some Some contracting officers are just too sensitive to the language. You're trying to communicate your value and all these different things, and you're using some buzzwords and jargon and that kind of stuff. And sometimes, the key here is sometimes, sometimes I think the contracting officers are just a little too sensitive to this. And then sometimes it's us. Sometimes it's us being extremely salesy with what we're doing. I was reviewing a proposal for a friend of mine recently, and I'm going through this proposal and I'm like, man, you have said the name of your company no less than 15 times and I am in your introduction to this proposal. A lot of people will do like an executive summary up front and I'm like, literally in that executive summary, you've said the name of your company 15 times. You're being too salesy. And as I go through, it's all this sales jargon and different stuff. And I almost feel like I need to have Google open on one page so I can keep Googling all these words you're using because I just can't understand what you're saying and it's really going to be over the head of the contracting officer. It looks probably good on a website or brochure. However, I would argue that I wouldn't be that salesy in that form either. So number one, being too salesy is something that is a huge turnoff to people and it will make them just say, oh, here's another one of these. You don't want to come off too salesy. And number four and five are going to help you understand how to not be salesy. And I'm going to cover those in, in just a minute here. Number 
Number two is the formatting. This one is a really simple mistake that makes your proposal look unprofessional. If I open your proposal and there's no cover sheet, there's no headings, there's no footers, there's no graphics, there's no tables or anything like that. If all of it just kind of looks like it's thrown together in a Word document, it really puts me off as the reviewer of this. I highly recommend simple things like having a header and a footer. And what goes in your header and footer? Again, simple things, your contact information, your DUNS number, the proposal solicitation ID, these little bitty things so that they can connect you to your proposal if say, you know, page three falls out on the floor. Whose is that? Oh, okay. I know it's RSM Federals and their contact is Mike Lejeune. Oh, it's because all of the headers and footers match this other document. But if yours falls out and you don't even have that, they're going to be like, who's, go oh, it's the one that I don't like because it doesn't have any of that kind of stuff. So it may be easy to spot it, but that's not for a good reason. So the other thing is when you're going through and you're putting in information, like your corporate overview information, a lot of times people will just throw it into the Word document instead of using tables. And tables are an easy way without creating graphics to present information in a very eye-appealing way. I highly recommend using tables. Another area where I see poor formatting all the time is in resumes where people will get a handful of resumes and they just shove them in their proposal. Everybody has a different format for it and it just doesn't look cohesive. It looks like you just said, hey Bob, hey Sue, hey Jim, give me your resumes and I'm going to just add them to the proposal. And what you need to do is say, hey Jim, Bob, Sue, whoever, here is our proposal resume format. I want you to put your resume into this format and then you insert that into your proposal and now they all look the same. Formatting is one of those that throws people off a lot and it's really easy to correct this with just a few things and then you'll have a template moving forward that you can always use for your proposals. Here's another one that is a really big challenge and this one can disqualify you very easily. It's when I go to look at a proposal and you don't have even remotely the right past performance. When you're looking at past performance, you need to look at size and scope, time relevancy, all these things. And I've seen a lot of clients, especially the new ones who don't have any past performance say, well, I'm just going to throw this out there and hopefully they'll give me the contract. If you don't have any past performance, you need a teaming partner. That's the fix. You need a teaming partner if you don't have the right past performance. If you're looking at the size and scope, and let's say the largest contract you've ever done is a $250,000 a year contract, and this contract is $10 million, you're not in the size and scope. When they look at that, they say, hey, well, it's nice. You've got a lot of the qualifications. Maybe you could do this, but you've never managed a job like this before. This could be a disaster. So they may pick somebody who has less qualifications than you because they have the right past performance. Another thing is, what if you did match up apples to apples? It's a $10 million contract. You've got a $10 million past performance, but your past performance was six or seven years ago, and the proposal stated all past performance must be in the last three years. Guess what? Your past performance that you submitted that was 10 years ago or whatever it is, is not relevant to this opportunity. So again, you're getting kicked out because you're not following the rules. If I had a sixth one, it would be you're not following the rules. Um, and maybe we'll talk about that here in a minute. That's the thing is, if you don't have the right past performance, you absolutely need a teaming partner. That's the fastest way to overcome this one. And it's a simple fix. But don't look at this past performance one and say, ah, I'm not too worried about that. Be worried about this one. Make sure you have the right past performance. And also, don't wait till you're deep in the proposal process to go looking for a teaming partner. If you don't have the past performance, this is something you should have 
identify upfront in your bid, no bid strategy. And you should be saying, hey, we have got to find a teaming partner for this before we even start on the proposal because we don't want to waste our time on this. So let's go see if we can find this and, and solve that problem now. Number four, number five are sort of connected here. Number four is communicating your value with metrics. Most people don't do this. Most people say, hey, we're great at IT infrastructure and we have cutting edge, state of the art, remote technology and all these buzzwords and things. And we have handled projects similar to this and all of that. It's great to say that you've done projects similar to this. And in fact, I think you should say that, but you've got to be more specific. Hey, we did a project just like this for the Army Corps of Engineers where we supported 5,000 end users and completed this project in X amount of time that was 43% faster than they expected, which reduced cost by 19% or, or whatever, right? You see where I'm going here by actually giving you some value through metrics instead of just saying we've done a job similar to this. We've done a job similar to this versus the previous example where I go into detail about who I did the job for and what the results are. It's a totally different animal and the government can see that. So that is a quick way to stand out by weaving your past performance and value with metrics into the proposal. Number five is differentiation. A lot of people don't differentiate from their competitors. They just continue to say the similar thing. Hey, we can do this. We will do this. We will do that. And they check the boxes for the things in the RFP. Now, I was talking to a client the other day and one of the things that jumped out in our conversations, he was like, Mike, most people in our business have a one-year guarantee and we have a five-year guarantee. Okay, you've got to highlight that. What else is different about what you do? If all of your parts are made in America, whatever it is, you've got to be able to highlight what makes you different. It could be about your process. Maybe you have a process that allows you to use less people and get more stuff done. Maybe you have a process that allows you to do a task that normally takes a year and you can do it in a week or a month. Maybe you have a process for how you find your people that's going to allow you to scale up, ramp up your team faster than anybody else because you already have a database of 500,000 applicants or whatever. The thing is, what are your differentiators? Let's go back to the example here of the staffing one. A lot of people will say, we have a staffing database that allows us to scale easily. Instead of saying that, what if we just put in there, we have a staffing database of 500,000 pre-qualified applicants ready to put on site at a moment's notice? Well, that's a differentiate. I've differentiated by saying I have a pre-qualified database of 500,000. It's simple little things like that that differentiate you from the competition. I said if I had a sixth one, it would be that following the rules one. There's so many times where I'm going through this and I'll say, look, they're asking questions that you're not even answering. You didn't You didn't answer this. You didn't answer this question and that question and that question. Oh, well, I kind of thought we answered it through this section. No, 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 no. You need to make sure you are answering every single question in that RFP. You need to make sure you're following the rules when it comes to how many pages it is, when it has to be submitted, all those little things. And if you don't follow those rules, something simple like you're trying to upload it 10 minutes before it's due and your internet goes down, something simple like that causes you to get kicked out when maybe you had the best RFP. So don't try and upload your proposal 10 minutes before it's due. Upload it the day before it's due. Anything could happen. You need to make sure you get those simple little things like the upload time, the amount of pages, answering all the questions. Those simple little things make a massive, massive difference. 
difference. Well, that was our, our bonus number six there out of the five most common proposal mistakes. There's a handful more out there. If you want to get a discussion with me going on LinkedIn about this, I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on this one. As we post this episode on LinkedIn, please be sure and interact with us. And if you have any questions, as always, you know how to reach me. I love to hear from people and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers. Changers.